Hi, I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. I've been here a couple of months now, and I wanted to say how much I love being a part of the Something Scary team. Thank you for making me feel welcome and delving into the darkness with me each week. Have you ever knocked on wood to stop something bad from happening or avoided walking under a ladder? Then you're superstitious. Superstitions come from common yet irrational beliefs. They typically stem from folklore or urban legends. But how irrational is it if it's actually true? Today, September 13th, is National Defy Superstition Day. So are you willing to break your mom's back or die yourself to prove a superstition wrong? First, we'll tell you a story of the trapped and dying, followed by desperate measures for love. Then, till death do they part. Finally, in our featured story, Deadly Number Four. We receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And don't forget to subscribe or follow us wherever you are listening so you don't miss a thing. We are going to be doing so many great stories and spooky things for Halloween, and we want you to be a part of it. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So, want to hear something scary? Plague of the Superstitious. Nothing is more important than a mother's bond with her child. However, sometimes a mother's bond can be unhealthy, like in this story inspired by Aubrey. Nadia was just two days away from moving out of her childhood home and going away to college. She was so excited for this new beginning, but she also couldn't help but feel a twinge of guilt for leaving her mom. After her dad died in a car accident when she was just a baby, Nadia's mom, Naya, became extremely superstitious and paranoid. She thought if she wasn't near her daughter, something terrible would happen. Naya had been so destroyed by her husband's death that everything since revolved around keeping her daughter close by. Nadia wasn't allowed to go to sleepovers, and when she was at school, she had to text her mom every hour to let her know she was safe. The most important rule of all, Nadia was never to touch the painting above the fireplace. The painting was an ominous gray forest with a man standing solemnly by a tree. Throughout her childhood, Nadia's mom would always remind her that people come and go, but family stays together. 
That sentiment inspired Nadia to surprise her mom with a large frame painting of the both of them. She knew her mom was going to miss her, but thought this painting of the two of them would be the perfect going away present. That evening, while her mom was at the grocery store, Nadia decided she was going to hang up the portrait next to the ominous forest painting she wasn't allowed to touch. As she hit the hammer into the nail, a giant crack formed in the wall. Panic set in as she knew how angry her mom would be at the damage. Nadia ran to the garage to grab some paint, and when she got back, she noticed something odd in the forest of the painting. For a split second, she thought she saw the man wave at her, but when she looked again, there was nothing. So she put it down to anxiety. She knew she wasn't allowed to touch the painting, but as she went to grab it by the frame, she noticed the word Tamir carved into it. Before Nadia could place the painting back on the wall, her mother walked in. Nadia's mother was enraged, yelling to put the painting back on the wall and never to touch it again. She grabbed Nadia by the wrist, pulled her up the staircase, and threw her in her room. The next morning, her mom apologized for her behavior and said she was just upset about leaving for college, but she had seen the portrait of both them and loved it. Nadia felt a knot in her stomach. She couldn't help but feel like her mother had been hiding something from her her entire life. She decided that she was going to find out where this painting was from. She hopped on her computer and researched the painting. A chill ran down her spine as she read that this painting was by Tamir Karimova and was over 200 years old and that the last person to own it went missing. The painting was thought to have been stolen and resold on the dark web. Nadia was in disbelief and couldn't understand why her mother owned this painting. Nadia chose to not tell her mom about what she found. She was leaving for college the next day and didn't want to start an argument. That evening, Nadia came home and was surprised to find that her mom had cooked an elaborate meal as an apology. As Nadia bit into her steak, the room around her started spinning and she collapsed on the floor. When she woke up, she was surrounded by an ominous gray forest. She was so confused, trying to remember what happened and how she got there. Suddenly, she heard her mother's voice explaining how sorry she was, but family stays together, and that she would be safe in this painting. Nadia couldn't believe what she was hearing. She stood up and started screaming her mother's name, but to her surprise, another voice called out, sounding nearby. It was her father who had died in a car accident when she was a baby. He explained that he and Naya got into a fight, and the next thing he knew, he was inside the painting with no means of escape. Nadia begged and begged her mother to let her out, but Naya ignored her. So Nadia watched life go by as she sat in the painting above the fireplace. The only comfort was knowing that her dad was with her. They watched years and years pass, hoping that one day someone would notice them and somehow find a way to set them free. Unfortunately, that never happened. Nadia's mother finally died of old age and the painting was placed in a box never to see the light of day again. Have you had a strong attachment to a parent of a loved one? How far would you go to keep them close to you forever? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now 
All you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Some people are lucky in love, stumbling upon it in the most fortuitous ways, while others rely on dating apps, blind dates, and even matchmakers. Unfortunately, some aren't always so lucky. Like in this story inspired by Anshita. After almost 10 years of being single, Mara was ready for a relationship. She wasn't having much luck on the dating apps, almost as though she was cursed. So she decided she would hire a matchmaker. Sita was known far and wide for her exceptional matchmaking abilities. Mira reached out to Sita, and although she booked up months in advance, Sita told Mira there was something about her that made her feel connected. Perhaps it was their matching almond-shaped birthmarks, she joked. Because of this, Sita knew she must help Mira immediately. Mira explained to Sita what she wanted in a husband. Sita told Mira that she thought she knew someone who could be a perfect match. His name was Adam. She would set up a date for the both of them. Before leaving, Sita took her necklace off and put it around Mira's neck. It was a gold necklace with an evil eye on it. This will protect you from Bari Nazar, a bad eye, Sita said. It will bring you love, and you must not take it off, or it won't work. The following week, Mira met up with Adam, and they hit it off immediately. She couldn't believe it. Sita really was an incredible matchmaker. Adam was kind, handsome, and funny. After only a few dates, Mira and Adam fell in love. He proposed to her, and Mira agreed. She was so excited that she immediately called Sita, but Sita never picked up. The phone went straight to voicemail. That evening, as Mira was driving home, she saw a bloody woman in a bridal dress with her eyes gouged out, standing in front of her car. Terrified, she immediately swerved to avoid hitting her, only to slam her car straight into a tree. She woke up the next morning in the hospital as Adam was standing over her worried. She tried to explain to Adam what happened, but it only made him more concerned for her mental well-being. He even mentioned that they should push the wedding. After Mira was released from the hospital that afternoon, she tried to call Sita again, but there was still no answer. She was beginning to worry that something had happened to Sita. Adam urged Mira to take a bath and try and relax. Following his instructions, Mira submerged herself in hot, soapy water. As she laid there finally feeling at ease, she grabbed her loofah and began exfoliating her arms. Something was strange about this loofah. When she looked down, her loofah had transformed into a severed head. She screamed in horror, causing Adam to run in. She tried to explain to him what she saw, but there was only a loofah floating in the tub. Adam was really starting to worry about her. Their wedding was less than a week away and it seemed like Mira was falling apart. Mira was determined to not allow anything to get in the way of her big day. 
She had been single for 10 years and she was going to marry the love of her life if it was the last thing she did. The big day finally arrived and Mira's mental health had deteriorated. She was scared and paranoid and she was losing her mind, but she told no one because she couldn't risk Adam finding out and potentially leaving her. She constantly would seek bloody, eyeless brides and decapitated heads everywhere she turned. As she put on her dress and applied her makeup, her neck started to tighten. It was the necklace from Sita choking her. She struggled as the air was leaving her lungs. She looked around for help, and that was when she saw Sita. Sita calmly walked up to her and patted her on the back. Mira couldn't believe it. She had been trying to get a hold of Sita for weeks, only to never have her calls be returned. Mira tried to speak, but couldn't. Sita explained to her that the necklace was cursed and that the curse could not be broken. Sita was gifted the necklace by a woman who had the same birthmark as her, an almond-shaped mark on her wrist. Sita was told the necklace would bring her love, but instead it cursed her to help others find love, but to never find it herself. If she could pass on the necklace to a woman with the same birthmark, she would be free and finally find true love. Sita grabbed Mira's arm, reminding her of their identical birthmarks. Rage erupted within Mira, and before she knew what she was doing, she grabbed a hairpin from her classy updo and stabbed Sita in the eye. She then wrapped her veil around Sita's throat and squeezed it until the woman was dead. Even then, the necklace still wouldn't come off. She heard a startled cry and saw Adam, his eyes wide in horror. Mira tried to explain that Sita had cursed her, but neither Adam nor anyone in the family believed her. She sounded like a violent, crazy person. Mira was sent to a high security prison where she can still be found today. She wears her necklace and is known to the other inmates as the prison matchmaker. She's happy to help and only charges the small price of one question. Do you have any birthmarks? Have you ever believed that something as simple as a necklace could bring you love? If an object can bring joy, do you think it can bring you harm as well? Weddings should be happy events, full of celebration and joy. However, you can only plan for so much as in this story, inspired by Sarah. It was the happiest day of Rosario's life. She had just married the love of her life, Matias, in front of a whole bunch of family and friends. So far, everything was perfect and had run smoothly. They'd left the church and were now getting ready to be seated for a huge banquet at the reception. The food was delicious and the wine was flowing. People were chatting away and everyone seemed to be having a great time. There were some nerves at the main wedding party table. She knew it was a big thing for her new husband's oldest friend, Miguel, to perform the best man speech and equally her sister, Maria, the maid of honor, had been drinking champagne all afternoon to attempt to quell the nerves. So far, everyone had the whole room laughing or crying. Even her sister had managed to pull through and had made them tear up. Finally, it was Miguel's turn. As the best man, he sat next to Matias, and there was a lot of laughter as he regaled them with tales of their school days. Rosario was having too much fun to notice his voice had taken a slight edge towards the end. And now, he announced, I give you the happy bride and groom. Cheers. And with that, he went to bump the bottle of beer Mateus was drinking, but knocked it over. Silly me, 
he admonished. Here, use this. He pushed the glass toward Matias, and the two men quickly clinked their glasses in a cheers. Miguel sat down quickly as the new groom rose to say a few words of thanks, only he didn't quite make it. At first, when he stopped halfway from rising up from his seat, palms planted firmly on the table to steady himself, Rosario thought the beer had gone to his head. When his legs started shaking, she thought he must be hungry, suffering from low blood sugar. And when he fell to the ground and started to choke and convulse, then she started to panic. Matias! She screamed, kicking her chair aside to kneel down amidst the layers of lace and chiffon on her dress. Somebody help! All the bride could do was hold on to the love of her life and weep as his body shook and his face grew redder, as he swallowed his tongue and the blood vessels in his eyes burst. By the time the paramedics arrived, all they could do was pronounce him dead and take Rosario back with them to the hospital to be treated for shock. Miguel insisted on riding with her. She accepted. After all, her husband's oldest childhood friend must also be in the need of attention. As the ambulance left, Rosario's sister Maria looked at the mess. She needed a drink, but no more of the champagne she had been drinking earlier. This was no longer a celebration of any kind. She saw a glass of water where Matias had been sitting and went to take a sip when something made her stop. Water. The bottle Miguel had used to cheers with was also still in its place setting. She picked it up and sniffed and then took a swig. Water too. Maria stood there in shock, jumping when her mother touched her arm, saying they needed to leave. Water, he used water for the toast. The room fell silent. It was extremely bad luck to cheers a toast with water. More than simply bad luck, it is believed the specific gesture is akin to a death wish. By clinking disguised water with Mateus, Miguel had set a fatal curse in action, causing the death of his oldest friend. His oldest friend and biggest rival, especially when it came to affairs of the heart. Miguel was also in love with Rosario and had hoped to play the sensitive shoulder to cry on. But now Maria knew the truth. Now no one would get a happy ending. Do you have any superstitions you always stick to? What do you think might happen if you broke one? Do you ever think there might be a deadly consequence? In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of the Taiwanese deadly number four, which we've chosen to animate over on youtube.com snarled. Go check it out and tell us what you think. Reiko flew into town for the funeral of her grandfather, her Yeye. She was less than pleased. Not because she was mourning her Yeye's passing, but because she had to leave school in the middle of the semester for the burial. She wasn't fond of the old man. Buddhist monks were praying when Reiko walked into the funeral, and everyone stared at her as she stood there wearing this bold red dress. She knew it wasn't the color of mourning, but she didn't care about superstition like the rest of them. Her cousin Kumo pulled her to the back of the temple. They hugged, then whispered with each other while others paid their respects. Although she was happy to see Kumo, Reiko admitted she didn't really like their yeye. He changed after the Hungry Ghost Festival 10 years ago. Something happened to him, and from then on, he was distant and cold and never seemed to care about them, 
He was just obsessed with all these crazy superstitions. Never point at the moon. Don't leave chopsticks vertical in a bowl. And the most important of all, avoid the number four at all costs. Kumo could barely contain his laughter. That definitely sounded like their yeye. Kumo felt like their grandfather was obsessed with those things because he believed them and he wanted them to be safe. They walked up to the body to see him one more time before he was cremated. Rego took a good long look at his face. Then she determined Kuma was wrong. There was something malicious about this man. It wasn't the Ye Ye she'd known and loved. She was glad to never have to see his face again. Even so, Kumo felt they should follow the traditions and not do anything to cross superstition. They wouldn't want to disrespect the dead, particularly while his soul still wandered the earth for the next seven days. Rego shook her head. She felt all of those things were ridiculous. When you die, you're gone. That's it. But for her cousin's sake, they prayed, followed all traditions, and even donated money. And that's when Kumo told her she would surely be safe and protected. But Kumo also reminded her to knock on the door of her hotel room before she entered. That way, all of the ghosts would leave before she went into the room. Rego rolled her eyes and headed for the hotel room. She quickly checked in and made her way to her room. She unlocked the door and then paused. Kumo's words were ringing in her ears. She knew it was dumb, but she knocked on the door, counted to three, then entered. Reiko was in a dead sleep when she bolted upright, suddenly awake in a cold sweat. Directly above her hovered her dead Ye Ye. With that cold stare on his face, she had never wanted to see again. She rubbed her eyes, praying she was still asleep and trying to shake off that terrible nightmare before her. In an instant, his bony hands were around her neck, choking the air out of her lungs. His face contorted into an evil grin, and she knew this was no dream. Rico clawed up the arms of this monstrous entity, managing to free herself. She ran towards the door, crying out, You're not my yeye! You can't be! The apparition confirmed her suspicions. Her yeye had broken the sacred rules one night during the Hungry Ghost Festival, allowing his body to be taken over. And just like he had before, now Reiko must suffer for disrespecting the rules. She flung open the door in terror and charged down the hallway. She hit the elevator button, but it wasn't coming. She darted for the emergency staircase. He got there first and barricaded the exit door shut. He grabbed Reiko by the ankles and dragged her down the hallway. Her nails dug into the carpet the entire way back to her room. She pleaded with him not to kill her. Tears poured down her face as she screamed, hoping the commotion would wake up someone, anyone. She didn't understand because she did what she was supposed to. She didn't break any superstitions. She even remembered to knock on the hotel door before entering. Of course, she hadn't looked at it. She'd been scrolling through a TikTok on her phone. As her body was yanked towards the door, her heart dropped. She hadn't checked and had unwittingly broken the most indispensable rule of all, the unlucky number four on the side. As a creature masquerading as her yeye tried to drag her through the opening, she tried with all her might to resist, managing to grab hold of the door frame for a second before being whipped back with such force. Her wrist bones had snapped. 
As Arusser's body followed into the darkness, she sobbed, the painful irony of being a non-believer, and now the number four would be the last thing she would ever see. If only she had remembered to check before entering the hotel room from hell. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>